going to start a new uh, series. The, the topic of the series that we'll be going through is gifts in the church. Um, and in this particular series, we'll be concentrating on the ministry gifts that are given to the church. But there are three uh, categories of gifts that are given to the church by our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the first category would be classified as the function gifts. The second category would be spiritual gifts. And then the third category, which is the category we'll be discussing in this series, are the ministry gifts. Let's just have a look at um, briefly at those uh, three categories before we get into in-depth with regards to the ministry gifts. And so the scripture we can open up with is in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing, according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use it. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. All ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligent diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then the next passage of scripture we want to look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. Scripture says, but as, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 14. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And so here, this is, these two passages of scripture uh, basically deal with the, the functional gifts. They obviously, uh, the other gifts are also implied in these two passages. But what we can see very clearly here is that Every single member in the body of Christ has been given at least one gift from the Lord. And that gift is their function that they are to perform in the body of Christ. And uh, we, we understand how it works by looking at, as, as Paul has shown us in uh, the book of Corinthians, by looking at the body, <coughs> the physical body. And that is, the eye has one function, the ear has another function, the nose another. And so each part of the body has a, a different function. And um, it is up to that part of the body to perform the function in order that the body can then operate as a whole. Now, God is the one who decides what function each of us receive from the Lord. And we get that function given to us before we're born, actually. Um, and we don't get any choice in the function given to us. So if, if God has designed, because we saw in the scripture that God sets in the church um, according to the good pleasure of his will, let's just go back and look at that. 
um, <clears throat> verse 18 of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And so God decides who is going to be an eye in his body, who is going to be an ear, who's going to be the nose. And we don't get to make a choice in that matter. And so one who is appointed by God as an I can't say to God, God, I, you know, this is not really me. I don't feel comfortable doing this. I think I'd, I'd be much better as an ear. So would you please make me a, an ear? That doesn't work like that because very quickly the body of Christ will become deformed because uh, if everybody gets to choose what they want to do, they would obviously look at the, the gifts out there and the functions out there in the body of Christ and make their own choice. And uh, we wouldn't have a nose, for argument's sake, because nobody would want to do the smelling. They all want to do the seeing and the hearing, whatever it be might be. So God is the one who decides what function we're going to perform in his body. And then he gives us that ability and the grace is given to us because um, in Romans he says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. And that pertains to the grace that we're given as well. And so that is with regards to the function that every single member of the body of Christ has in the body of Christ. Now a very sad thing is that majority of the body of Christ don't know what their function is in the body um, because they've never ever spent time uh, with the Holy Spirit to find out with God find out what their function is um, because once you find out what your function is in the body of Christ and you slot into that and you begin to perform that function it's the most natural thing in the world for you to do because that's what God has made you to do that's what God has made you how he's made you to perform in the body of Christ. So it's very important for us as uh, believers as early as possible in our Christian walk is to find out from God just Lord what is the function that you've called me to perform in the body and then uh, begin to perform in that function and believe you me as I say because God has already given us the grace and the faith that we need to operate in the specific gifting that he's given to us. Now in Romans ch chapter 12 uh, Paul lists seven different gifts. Now, in the listing of gifts that he lists, uh, there are spiritual gifts inside there, and there are ministry gifts inside there, and there are also um, function gifts inside there. Because, as I said, there are the three categories of gifts, ministry gifts, spiritual gifts, and the function gifts. Um, but the function gifts is a very broad spectrum. There's, there's a huge... Uh, Variety. Think about the body again, the natural body. There are many different parts. There's not just the ear and the eye. Uh, you get the feet, the hands, the fingers. Uh, there's just like a myriad of parts. And so the body of Christ also has many different functions that make up the body of Christ so that she can perform as she is called to perform uh, in the earth. And so Paul just lists for us seven of uh, the gifts that slot into this category of the function gifts and he slots in beginning at verse uh, 6 he says having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us let us use them prophecy if prophecy let us prophesy in proportion to our faith uh, so he lists prophecy as one or ministry let us use it in our ministry that's the second one he who teaches in teaching and so prophecy is one of the spiritual gifts we'll get to it as we go through the series 
ministry is one of the ministry gifts, obviously. Uh, teaching is also one of the teaching, uh, the ministry gifts. Uh, he who exhorts in exhortation, that's not a ministry gift, that is uh, a functional gift. He who gives with liberality. And so there are those who are called in the body of Christ, and that's their function, is to give. And God blesses them extraordinarily in that area. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so you'll see as we go through the, the series, um, some of these giftings can only operate under the anointing. They all operate under the anointing. Let me just qualify that statement. But when I say some of the gifts can only operate under the anointing, let's take the gift of prophecy for argument's sake. One who has received the gift of prophecy cannot go around all, over the day, all day long and prophesy to people. That's just not how that gift functions. That gift functions as the Holy Spirit. And we'll touch on it as we deal with the gift of prophecy later in the series. But <coughs> excuse me, that gift functions as the Holy Spirit uh, moves upon the individual to speak out uh, a prophetic utterance. And that only comes as the Spirit walks. That doesn't come all the time. But on the other hand, somebody who shows mercy, who has this gift that Paul lists, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Well, mercy can be shown all the time. It's not a case of, um, I need to wait for the Holy Spirit to anoint me, and then I can show mercy. And uh, so if you caught me off, uh, off God, and the Holy Spirit is not manifesting to me, through me, shall I say, then you're expecting mercy from me, well, you've come at the wrong time. I don't have any to give you. That's not the case at all. Mercy can be displayed all the time. That's the, the, the core of the function gift. The function gift can function really pretty much all the time. Giving would be another one. One who get, has a gift of giving can give whenever they want to. Uh, obviously, based on the finances they have, but by and large, that's what that gift has, access to finance and is then able to give liberally. So that's pretty much the gist of the function gifts. Um, as believers, we need to find out from our Lord as quickly as possible when we come into the body what our function is. And then begin to spend time with the Lord and find out how do I operate in this gift that you've given me, that I may be a blessing to your body. And so that is the, the first category that uh, we, we all form part of the series. Um, and every single member in the body of Christ has received one function gift from the Lord. There is not one member that doesn't have at least one function. Some have more, um, but each one does at least have one. And as I say, it is up to us as individual members of the body to find out what a function is and begin to function in that. And then the next category of gifts that are available to the church are the spiritual gifts. We call them the spiritual gifts. Um, and the scripture we can look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through to 10. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. We saw prophecy listed uh, in that uh, category in Romans. To another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now these particular gifts, there are nine listed in total. These gifts are what... Uh, the Holy Spirit refers to as spiritual gifts. 
And verse 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. And so when these gifts are manifested through an individual, it is in fact the Holy Spirit who is manifesting himself through that individual. And all of these gifts are supernatural uh, endowment of the power of God. This is, there's nothing natural about this. Um, let's go back to the, the functional gifts. We, we listed leading as one of the, the functional gifts that are given to members in the body of Christ. Now, one who has that particular gift is able to provide leadership to people, no matter what group they're in, uh, they're just endowed with that ability to be able to lead. And so people tend to gravitate towards those individuals because they have that quality, they have that ability about them, and that's uh, given to them by God. And so that particular gifting um, help benefits that individual even in the workplace. You find those individuals become a management um, uh, part of management in companies uh, because they have this gift of leadership and so it just manifests through them all the time. But these particular gifts that we, we've mentioned here in this passage of Scripture 1 Corinthians 12, the nine spiritual gifts are supernatural demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit making himself manifest through that individual in at the moment, at that time. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible talks about the fact that uh, we as believers um, taste the powers of the age to come. Now, when he mentions that um, in that particular passage, uh, that Christians uh, taste of the powers of the age to come, he's referring to the spiritual gifts, the nine spiritual gifts that are available to the church. Um, and... Those gifts, the, the powers of the age to come, is the way that the Christians, the believers, will walk naturally in the age to come. The age to come is when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth and we receive our resurrected bodies. And so let's just have a look at one of those gifts, the gift of the word of knowledge. Well, the powers of the age to come is that we will have perfect knowledge in the age to come. And we will know pretty much as much as our Lord knows now. Um, we will have, the, the Bible talks about the fact that we now know in part, but when the perfect has come, then we'll know fully, even as we are fully known. And so we'll have perfect knowledge. And so we'll know things that now we only know in part, because, and I'm talking about, uh, maybe the word of knowledge is not a good example to have a look at, um, I don't know. Any, any one of those gifts. Let's just go back and look, look at the list again. Um, you've got the word of knowledge. You've got the word of wisdom. You've got uh, faith. Um, well, let's look at faith. Faith is one of the gifts. Uh, currently, we all have the gift of faith given to us by God when we're born again. But it's not this particular gift. This gift is called special faith. Now, this special faith is, in fact, the faith of the Holy Spirit. It is unshakable. This particular gift of faith allows the individual to walk on water because there's just nothing that's going to shake the person so they can go walk on water. Uh, when this gift is made manifest through the individual. Now, in the age to come, we, as the saints of God, will be able to walk on water because we will be walking in the powers of the age to come. That's what's going to be freely available to every one of the saints in the age to come. We will walk in that uh, resurrected body as our Lord Jesus walks in his body today. 
But the Holy Spirit, these giftings, these nine gifts listed here, are only made, uh, are only given to us as a taste of the powers of the age to come. Hebrews 6, uh, chapter, uh, verse 3, I think it is. Um, yeah, Hebrews 6, 5, sorry. It's a taste of the, the powers of the age to come. So we, we only get a, a very small um, insight into these gifts as, as the Holy Spirit makes himself manifest through us for those who have received any one of these particular gifts. They're all supernatural. Not one of these gifts are natural. Nobody can, it's, so it's not the gift of knowledge. Um, so that you know, pe people that study and learn a lot and know a lot, they have this gift of knowledge, not at all. It's called the gift of the word of knowledge. Now, when it is, I'm digressing slightly, but the word of knowledge, God knows everything. And so when God gives you a word of knowledge, what he does is he imparts to you a very small portion of his knowledge. I mean, it's like a, a one-letter syllable in a, a vast library of books that God gives you access to. And you know something about somebody else. And you can impart that information to them. It blesses them because they know that you only knew about that supernaturally. God has now made himself manifest through you. The Holy Spirit's done that. And so that is what uh, the spiritual gifts are really all about. And so there are, there are nine uh, spiritual gifts listed. Um, seven of the gifts were all available to the saints under the Old Covenant. Two of them were only, are only available to this dispensation, and that is the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, different kind of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Otherwise, all the other gifts were available to the saints under the Old Covenant. Um, and so it's a different category of gifts. These gifts are not function gifts, although people can and operate them in them as their function. We saw prophecy was listed as one of the gifts under the function gifts. Um, but primarily these gifts are given to individuals to bless the body of Christ in a supernatural way. Um, and we'll look at the, these giftings in, in a little bit more detail as we get into this series of teachings. But they are supernatural, and it is... Um, God the Holy Spirit, who makes himself manifest through the individual, through one of these gifts, at the time that the gift is manifested. And as I say, like the gift of faith. Um, an example of the gift of faith, Peter, walking um, past that crippled guy at the gate, beautiful, and he said, look upon us, you know, silver and gold I do not have, but that which, which I do have, I give to you in the, name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, Peter could do that because the gift of working of faith Working of faith, the gift of faith made itself manifest through him at that time. Peter had passed that chapter many times before and had never had the unction to say what he did on that day. But at that moment, the Holy Spirit made himself manifest through Peter and Peter did, uh, operated in that gift. And that guy wasn't expecting to be healed. It wasn't his faith that got him healed. And it wasn't Peter's faith that got him healed either because I just said to you, Peter passed that chapter many times, days before that, and nothing uh, was manifested. That was the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith being made manifest through Peter, and Peter was able to get that chap healed. So yeah, those are the, the spiritual gifts. We'll get into them in more detail. But And then the, the next category of gifts, so we looked at the function gifts. Everybody receives at least one function. Spiritual gifts, not. Spiritual gifts, um, they can be given to an individual by the Lord, and it's also possible for us to ask God for these giftings for whichever one, um, and the, 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 we'll see it as we go into that particular category of teaching. 
Um, so it's, it's a different type of gift to the function gifts. Then we get to the ministry gifts. Now the ministry gifts are given specifically, specifically to individuals to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the primary role of the ministry gifts. And there are two passages of scripture that deal with these gifts. And uh, let's read the passages of scripture and then we can comment on them. The first passage is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through to 13. Scripture says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now again, when he says to each one of us, and he's talking there about the function gifts. He's, he's got the same language as what he's talking when he, he speaks to the church in Rome. Um, and he says, to each one of us was given according, it was grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In Romans, he talks about we all received the measure of faith according to the gift that we received. Here he talks about the measure of grace. Grace and faith in this instance are interchangeable, basically. Verse 8, he says, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, talking about Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 11, And he, he himself, talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For how long? Verse 13, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so there are five main ministry gifts that are listed in that passage of Scripture. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The other passage of Scripture that lists, uh, deals with the ministry gifts now, because that's the, the, the topic of the, the series we're going through right now, is in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 28. Uh, scripture says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Verse 29, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And so, um, the Apostle Paul lists for us in these two passages of Scripture a total of ten ministry gifts. Now, of the ten, um, he lists in both passages, he lists um, the Apostle, the Prophet, and the Teacher. That he lists in Ephesians and he lists in uh, this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians 12. The other five ministry gifts that he lists in 1 Corinthians 12 is uh, working of miracles, gifts of healings, uh, diverse kind of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Yeah, miracles, gifts of healings. Oh, sorry, there's a couple more. Miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now, those are, the, those are the five extra ministry gifts that he lists in Scripture. And so in total, there are ten listed for us in Scripture. Um, we, in this series of teaching on the ministry gifts, we're going to concentrate on the, on the main five, because it's the main five that everybody pretty much knows, those uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So we'll concentrate on those. But we do need to understand that there are five other ministry gifts that are listed in Scripture, um, and, but these are not so common to the body of Christ. But nevertheless, they are ministry gifts. Now, a ministry gift, as we saw, is given by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because the scripture says, when he ascended on high, 
he gave gifts unto men, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so these giftings are a calling that is placed upon the individual's life because these individuals have been separated by God to the ministry. They've been separated by the Lord to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 talks about that. Um, Paul talks about it as well. He says in 1 Corinthians 9 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Verse 17, For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. And so Paul says he didn't have a choice in the matter. God had chosen him. If you look at the scripture, God chose him before he was born. And to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And it, it was not of his own, Lord, I want to serve you, so you know, please make me an apostle. No, not, not at all. Paul says it this way. He says, necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So Paul recognized that there was a consequence that he would incur if he did not fulfill the function that God had called him to perform. Now, the ministry gifts are pretty much in the same category as the function gifts. Um, and we did see a couple of the ministry gifts listed under the function gifts because that is that individual's function in the body of Christ. So one who's called to be a, an apostle to the body of Christ, that's their function that they perform in the body of Christ. So from that point of view, a ministry gift and a functional gift are pretty much the same thing. But nevertheless, these particular gifts um, perform a far greater role in the body of Christ. Um, their function is, is far greater than one who has received, arguments say, the, the gift of prophecy. There's a, a huge difference between the two uh, giftings. But he, Paul also talks about the fact that he's been entrusted with a stewardship. And so these particular giftings are given to the body of Christ as stewards of the mysteries of the gospel. And so their primary role, their primary function is to minister the gospel to the body of Christ. Even the evangelist who is primary role is to minister to the unsaved, but in, in effect he's actually ministering to the body of Christ because he's ministering to those who are out there in the world who are meant to be part of the body of Christ who have not yet come into the kingdom. And so they are the ones that call them into the kingdom of God. And so these giftings, are, the ministry gifts, are given to the individual before they are born. It's a calling that's placed upon their lives and they have, really, they have no choice in the matter whatsoever. Um, and they don't place themselves in that position. So one cannot grow up and think, gee, I'd love to be a pastor. That's, you know, that really looks like a nice uh, career path for me to choose. So that's what I'm going to become. Not at all. You have to be called by God. It's, it, the, these giftings, one cannot go into these ministry gifts. One cannot enter into them unless the call has been placed upon them by the Lord Jesus Christ, by God the Father. Um, another scripture we can look at is in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Scripture says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Verse 4, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he 
who is called by God, just as Aaron was. And so it's not a case of, as I said, you grow up and you, you have a look at your local past and you think, well, that looks like quite a good job to enter into, so that's something that I want to do when I grow up. Um, no, not at all. The calling has to be placed upon you. God is the one who places ministry gifts into those offices, for they are, in fact, offices in the body of Christ. And these giftings are imparted to the individual before the individual is even born. Um, Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. This is Paul speaking about his own ministry. He said, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood and so Paul acknowledged that he was um, called by God even from his mother's womb actually goes all the way back to the beginning of time God decides again the function gift God decides before everybody's born what function we're going to perform in his body now, some of those are called to the ministry function. And that's of the 10 gifts that we mentioned, the five we're going to be discussing in more detail. Um, but then you've got all the other functions as well. But the ministry gift is separated to the gospel of God. That's their primary function. They are meant to minister the gospel of God to the body of Christ. Um, that is what they're called to do. Now, they know that calling is upon their lives right from uh, childhood childhood. It's not something that um, when they get born again, then they realize for the very first time, oh, okay, I'm actually called to the ministry. People who are called to the ministry know that they're called to the ministry when they're children, uh, because that calling is placed upon them. Let's go back to Paul again. He said, um, but when it pleased God who separated me from when Paul from my mother's womb and called me. So, Right from the, uh, Paul's mother's womb, he had the call of God placed upon his life for the ministry. And God had separated him for the ministry. And that's exactly what happens to these individuals. And so that is why the Apostle Paul was, had studied to become a rabbi before he was born again, before he was saved. Um, because he was a trained rabbi when he came into the kingdom of God. And so he recognized all through his life that this is, he, it, that the unction was just there on the inside of him, that the word of God is what I'm all about. I have to be teaching and preaching the word of God. And so he, he studied to become a rabbi and he wasn't born again. Now, when he gets saved, then obviously the penny drops and the Lord shows him, this is what I've actually called you to, Paul. But all through his life, he'd been preparing for it unknowingly. He just had this urge on the inside of him that that's what he was called to do. Uh, and um, Acts 22 verse 3 um, shows us that uh, Paul was a trained rabbi and he was uh, trained up um, in preparation for his ministry that he'd been entering into. Uh, the Apollos um, was an, another one, he was also an apostle by the way, uh, that also knew right from an early age that he was called to the ministry, even before he was saved. And that's Acts 18 verse 24. Um, Apollos also trained up as a rabbi. And, you know, he wasn't born again. He gets born again when he goes to Ephesus. 
Aquila and Priscilla and bring him into the kingdom. But before that time, he had he was um, what does the word say? He was um, not knowledgeable in the scriptures. Anyway, he had extensive knowledge of, of the word of God because he had dedicated himself in that area um, because he had the call on his life from his mother's womb, and that's what the ministry gift calling is all about. The individual who has that calling in their, on, the, on their lives, they know it from a, a very young age that that's what God's called them to do. Now, they don't recognize it as such. Um, it's only as we come into the kingdom that we get to understand what's going on. But nevertheless, they have this urge on the inside of them. That's what I'm meant to do. That's uh, what you, you just know. Now, it only up to a certain age, obviously at the age of 13, they die spiritually, and so they, they, their spirits, they, they lose that sense of calling until they come back into the kingdom of God. But, uh, you know, even in, in my own uh, account, um, growing up as a young man, I grew up in the Roman Catholic faith, and it's not exactly an evangelical outreach type uh, denomination. Um, and the gospel is not really preached, but uh, I recall... When I was a young man, I don't know, maybe about, eesh, I'm not really going to have to stretch, about six or seven years old, um, the, we had a group of Jesuit priests that came to minister at our church, and they were true missionaries. They would go out and they would actually proclaim the gospel. And they were coming and going around to the churches and they were uh, telling the churches about the work that they were doing of bringing people into the kingdom of God. And... When they ministered, I, I, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, that's me. I, that's what I'm meant to do. As a young, young boy, I just knew that's what I was meant to do. And I really pestered my parents to, to let, me, um, get, let me become a priest. And they actually took me to the priest and they wanted to be put me into um, training and all that kind of stuff, just as well it didn't pan out because um, obviously that's not what the Lord had in, 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 in mind for me. But nevertheless, the point that I want to bring across here is that as a young boy, I just knew that's it. That was the first time I'd been exposed to the gospel. Now, I, I, there's a lot of other incidents in my life as a young boy that just, as I think back, just showed me. I was always pointed in this direction because that was the call that was placed upon my life. And... As Paul said, it's very foolish for anybody to ignore that call. He said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And so one who has received this call from God knows it right from toddler age and is very foolish to ignore that call because each one of us will be given, uh, stand before the Lord to give an account of um, what we've done with the talents that he's given us. And for the one who goes and buries his talent, we all saw that uh, his day of judgment didn't turn out uh, too, too well for him. And so, yeah, the call is placed upon these individuals, these ministry gift individuals, from their mother's womb. So they know it right from the start that they're called to go preach the gospel. They, as I say, they might not understand it, but they know that's it. That lights up on, on the inside of them when they get to hear the gospel for the first time. Now... Um, what is the purpose of the ministry gift? We had a look at it in Ephesians, um, and we go back there, and we read it again. And he himself, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11 again, he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some are prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And this is the purpose that he's given it for, 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 12 is the purpose of the ministry gifts. Now I know that there's been a, a, a distorted teaching that has taken verse 12 and said um, only that first part is for the ministry gifts, for the equipping of the saints, because then the saints are to do the work of the ministry and they meant to edify the body of Christ. Well, yes, you can kind of put it out there, but not so, not really. We're meant to do the work of the ministry. The ministry gift is called to equip the saints, do the work of the ministry, and edify the body of Christ. Till when? When, when will that end? When will the ministry... Because the ministry gifts are going to end. There's, uh, there's coming a day when the church will no longer need access to the ministry gifts because she would have reached a, a point she doesn't need them. And this is it. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind and doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Okay, so there's a whole lot of stuff there. Um, but from verse 13, uh, that tells us how long the, the ministry gifts are given to the body of Christ. When she reaches her uh, perfect man, uh, when she comes to um, the stage where she's, the scripture says, to the unity of the faith and, not, and the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. No longer children, all mature. When the church gets there, then the ministry gifts are done away with because she doesn't need them anymore. And so that's how long the ministry gifts are given. Now, clearly, the church has not reached that yet. She's nowhere near perfect. She's still being tossed to and fro by every window doctrine that's carried out there. And she, there's still a lot of children in the church. And so the ministry gifts are still given to the church. But as we draw closer to the end of the age, what we will find is that um, the church will start to mature and she'll eventually reach a point where she won't need the ministry gifts anymore. But currently she does. She needs them. And the, the primary role of the, of the ministry gifts is in verse 12. The ministry gifts are there to equip the saints. To do what? To uh, fulfill their role, their function in the body of Christ. So yes, from that point of view, we all definitely cause the body to grow as each one of us does our share. But it's the ministry gifts that brings the, the, the individual members of the body of Christ to the place where they can actually walk as God has called them to walk. So the ministry gifts are there to equip the saints. They're there to do the work of ministry. So that is, to do the work of the ministry is to actually minister to the body of Christ. And the body of Christ does need to be ministered to at this point in time because we said she hasn't yet reached uh, full maturity. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's the role the, that the, the ministry gifts play in the church um, in order to bring the church to full maturity. Now, there are five ministry gifts, main ministry gifts listed there, and there's obviously the other five that we saw in uh, 1 Corinthians. It is important for the church, if she's going to reach full maturity, to be exposed to all of the ministry gifts. She should not be exposed to just one or two of the ministry, ministry, ministry gifts, excuse me, um, because 
each one of those ministry gifts carries a different anointing and has a different um, ability that they're able to impart to the body of Christ. And we, as part of the body of Christ, including the ministry gifts ourselves, we as part of the body of Christ need to be exposed to all five of the ministry gifts, in fact, all ten of them, so that we can receive what we need from each one, so that we can grow to full maturity. Now, that does not mean, because there is a weird teaching out there that says that all, every local church should have all five of the ministry gifts residing in that local church. When they, they, only, they only talk about the five which are the main five. But that's not the Bible. The Bible never teaches us that the local church should have resident in it the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, all five of them there present. No, not at all. Um, the local church should have the pastor and most probably the teacher as well. But the apostle, no. The evangelist, no. The prophet, no. Uh, those particular ministry gifts are traveling ministry gifts and they move around the body of Christ going from church to church. We won't get into that in any kind of depth right now. But the point is, is that if the church is going to reach full maturity, she needs to be hearing just more than the ministry that's coming through the, the ministry of the pastor, for argument's sake. Because that pastor has a, a specific anointing upon his life, and he cannot impart to the body of Christ the anointing that is upon the ministry gift of the apostle, or the anointing that's on the ministry gift of the prophet. Um, even the anointing that's on the ministry gift of the evangelist, because it is scriptural for evangelists to also minister in churches. And so, to the degree that the body of Christ is not exposed to all of the ministry gifts, the local body I'm talking about, she suffers. She doesn't then get brought to full maturity because there's certain revelation knowledge, there's certain um, spiritual impartation that can only come through certain ministry gifts. And so if the church is not going to be exposed to all of the gifts, then she's not going to grow to full maturity as she needs to. And so it's very important that, specifically the pastor, because pastors, by and large, uh, head up the local churches. It's very important for local pastors to expose their congregations to the full range of the ministry gifts that are out there. And obviously they must have discernment as to which particular ministry gifts they align to their church because there are some weird ones out there as well. But there are very good ministry gifts out there. And it is important as we go through this teaching you'll see that we as, a, as the local body should be exposed to what God can impart to us through all of His ministry gifts. Because it's all of the ministry gifts together imparting what they have to the body uh, that will then equip the saints um, so that they can actually uh, operate effectively as God has called them to operate in. And so, yeah, that's the, um, the ministry gift purpose. That's what they're called to do. Um, but their primary purpose is always going to be to minister the Word of God. And we'll get into that in more depth, but that's their primary role. Uh, there are spiritual gifts that operate through those ministry gifts. Um, but you get ministry gifts that have become fo so focused on the spiritual gifts they neglect the ministry of the Word of God and that's where they miss it because the Word of God is the primary calling for every ministry gift. Now, the ministry gifts have, as I've already alluded to, have each one of them their own specific anointing. And 
One who has received, all right, let's just now, I'm going to stay with the five because the five main ones, because those are the ones we're going to concentrate on. So one is called as a, a prophet, for argument's sake. If that particular ministry gift, that individual says, well, I would like to be a pastor um, because, you know, I just, I prefer to be comfortable in a, ch a local church environment. I don't like having to travel around because prophet's ministry by and large is a traveling ministry. It goes around from church to church. I don't like that idea. I prefer to be localized in one church and so I'm going to rather become a pastor. But the Lord has called him and anointed him to be a prophet. Now he tries to operate as a pastor. He doesn't have the pastor's anointing upon his life. Now they're both called, he's called to the ministry and he's fulfilling part of his role because the main function of all of the all five of the ministry gifts, again, I'm just, when I say all five, you understand there are 10, but I'm just going to stay with the five. Uh, the main function of all five is to teach the Word of God. So now he is fulfilling that role in teaching the Word of God, but because he's not operating as God's called him to operate as a prophet, he's now stepped outside of his calling. And he stepped into uh, an office that he doesn't really have an anointing for. And what happens is because the pastor has an anointing from God to do certain functions in the church, care for the sheep, um, and really be able to, uh, you know, care for the sheep. Let's just stay with that. A prophet, on the other hand, not always is there that caring thing because the prophet is used of the Lord very often. Uh, in a judgmental way in the church in, to, to correct the body of Christ when she's out of line in certain areas. And so uh, the, the flock will feel pretty uncomfortable under the pastorship of a prophet. Um, and so it, it creates confusion in the body of Christ because the individual is not operating where God's called them to operate. Now, under the new covenant, we, there's grace. We're all under grace under the new covenant. And so under grace, we, God is a lot more patient with us than he were, was with the saints under the old covenant. And so when we step outside of our calling and, and try and operate in a calling that we're not called to, God allows us to a degree to operate there, but eventually we start feeling the, the pinch. Under the old covenant, uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, when the guys stepped outside of their calling and tried to operate in a, an office that was not their calling, uh, God dealt with them very quickly. And uh, one of the examples we'll look at is uh, the, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 8 through to 35. This is the, the, uh, the rebellion of Korah and his followers. Now, Korah was a, a Levite. And you go back and you look at the, 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 the um, Old Testament. What God had done was he had... Um, all of the firstborn of Israel were his. God had um, taken them to himself and they belonged to him. But it was impractical, impractical for God to use the firstborn of every uh, family out there to come and serve and minister to him. So what God did was he said, all right, in place of the firstborn in Israel, I will take a full tribe of Levi. Levi will now be separated to me and they will come and minister to me in place of the firstborn. And Israel had to lay their hands on Levi, and, and Levi could now be separated unto God and serve God in that capacity as ministering to the Lord and ministering uh, on behalf of the, the children of Israel. So the Levites were now separated out of uh, among the children of Israel, and they were separated to God. 
But among the Levites, then there was the, the priests. Now the priests were all descended from Aaron's. Uh, Aaron was also a Levite, but Aaron's uh, family. They could become priests. But now in this particular instance over here, Korah and the guys are saying, but wait a minute, we're separated to God, we're Levites. So, you know, you guys, Aaron and Moses, you're taking on a little bit too much for yourselves. We're all priests to God. We're all holy. So we can do what you guys are doing. So let's have a look at the outcome. Then scripture says, then Moses said to Korah, hear now you sons of Levi. So he's talking about Levites. eh? As I say, these guys are already separated to God. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you. And are you seeking the priesthood also? So now they're trying to step out of the role that God's called them to, and they want to go into a different role. Um, Verse 16, And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow... You and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they, as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, there were 250 guys that were um, in this rebellion. Both you and Aaron, each with his censer. Verse 18. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Verse 35. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. And so they had stepped outside of their calling. They were, God had called them to be Levites and to serve, minister to him and to minister to the children of Israel. But now they wanted to be priests. And so that was the result. Fire of the Lord came out, consumed them um, because they were offering incense and God hadn't called them to do that. And so judgment was pronounced by the Lord very quickly on them in this instance. Now, that is a type, a, a, an admonition written for us under the Old Covenant to show us that we shouldn't play around under the new. So in other words, if God called you to one office, do not try and stand in somebody else's office. Because it's God. It's His church. He decides who's going to do what. We don't go to God and say, God, I'm going to run your church for you. Now, you, you sit back on your throne and watch me do this. And I'll do this, and I'll get somebody to do that. No, 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 no. This is Almighty God we're talking about. And so we don't play around with this stuff. Um, we are obedient servants in this area. Uh, let's look at another example, also under the Old Covenant, but it's very, very, uh, you know, these, these, these examples given to us are very illustrative of the point that I'm making. And that is, is that when God anoints us to stand in a particular office, ministry gift-wise, because, again, anybody who's not called to the ministry, don't even try getting into the ministry because you're just going to incur a, you know, a whole lot of nonsense in your life. It's not going to go well for you. But within the ministry, once you recognize your call, get it right. Go stand in the office that God's called you to stand in. Don't try stand in another man's office. So let's go have a look at another account. Um, and this account is in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 beginning in verse 11. The scripture said, Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies. Verse 15, And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men, to be on the towers and on the corners, to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. 
Now, this is the, one of the kings of Judah. His name was Uzziah. Now, he was a very good king. And uh, the Lord blessed him in what he did because he was a good king. God had called him and anointed him to be king. Now, look what he tries to do. Verse 16. But when he was strong in his heart, strong, sorry, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. Sounds pretty much like uh, Lucifer, remember? To his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Verse 17. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men, because they were standing up against the king. Verse 18. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no favor from the Lord God. Verse 19, Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a sense in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests, in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out, because the Lord had struck him, and he became a leper for the rest of his life. Um, but yeah, he was a very successful king, and he was a very good king, and God really blessed him. In that. that was his anointing. God had anointed him to be king of Judea. And he did a good job there. But he became thinking, lifted up, he thought, well, you know, if I'm a good king, I can, I can also you know, go into the temple. I can offer a sacrifice before incense before God. God blessed me. And so I've obviously got favor with him. And God judged him because that's not his, that wasn't his function. He was not separated from God to that role. And it's not something we can take upon ourselves. We do not have that ability. We, we're dealing with... Uh, a holy God, almighty God, and these things are not to be taken lightly. And so as uh, those who are called to the ministry, we need to recognize what our calling is and operate in that calling and not try to function in another man's office. Um, because obviously under the old covenant, judgment fell straight away. Um, there was no grace there. Uzziah became leprous straight away and he was a leper for the rest of his life. Um, Korah and his crowd, they were all you know, burned with, with fire. So God doesn't operate like that under the new covenant. He gives us time, because we're under grace, to get ourselves sorted out. But eventually, a ministry gift that tries to operate in another man's office is going to incur judgment from the Lord. And obviously, somebody who is not called to the ministry and tries to operate in a ministry gift is also going to incur judgment from the Lord. Because these giftings are given by God, and we can't take them upon ourselves. We have to be fully obedient to the Lord in this area. And um, that's as far as I want to go with regards to the ministry, ministry gifts uh, in today's teaching. We'll carry on in the next teaching on this topic with regards to the ministry gifts, and we'll get into it in a little more detail. But we're going to end the teaching on that one today. Amen.